in a typical consumer goods organization, I mean, you would have your sales guys and these guys will bring in all the revenues and profits. And then you've got the marketing guys, right? Their role is to ensure that consumer demand is created and they make sure that the brand awareness is there so people know about the product. Then you've got the supply chain guys, right? They make sure the products are made and delivered to you. Then you've got the finance guys, right? They balance the books, make sure they got enough money to invest for growth. And then you've got the HR guys. I mean, uh, HR. Um, so HR guys, I, <laughs> so actually what does HR do? Lah? Uh, so we'll find that out today. So guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Find The Real, where I believe everyone has a story. It doesn't matter what your background is, what you do for a living. I believe everyone has an interesting story and my role is to find those interesting stories, either for your entertainment or for you to be inspired and hopefully it makes your life better. Lah. So with this discussion, I hope it's going to make my life better and your life better to understand what is this HR thing. So today, we've got my buddy, a HR professional, Shazli with us. So Shazli, what's up, man? Hey, man. Good to be here. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Huh? Hey, thanks for being here. So we've got Shazli, who's currently the HR director for L'Oreal Malaysia and Singapore. And he's going to give us a few insights into the world of HR and also his journey in HR, how he started, you know, what has brought him to this moment right now. And yeah, we'll just learn his story a bit. So Shazo, as we like to call him. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you grew up? Sure, bro. Uh, so I'm pretty much a KL boy. Uh, so my parents, uh, you know, spent most of my life in uh, in KL, except for you know a couple of years abroad when I was working. Uh, and um, yeah, I want to say, uh, you know, normal childhood. Uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, can't think of any major eventful things. But uh, you know, except for when I decided to go and study, you know, typical uh, Asian parents uh, like dad wanted me to be a doctor, lawyer. I was like. Uh, I don't think so. And so, uh, I, I got a C5 for my biology and that's when I knew that medicine is out of the question. La. So I said, okay, that's not going to work for me. Well, Dala, so you chose to disappoint your parents by doing HR. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so what, what did you study, buddy? So like uh, all HR professionals, I studied uh, finance and accounting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, I'm going to fact check you on that, but okay. <laughs> you can, bro. I can show you my, uh, my, my, uh, my certificate, uh, my degree. I'm a uh, University of Nottingham uh, alumni. So unfortunately, uh, alumni with our uh, disgraced uh, ex-prime minister, but uh, but yeah. So um, so I couldn't think of what to study initially. I actually probably funny story. I wanted to do computer science at first. Okay, um, okay. And uh, long story short, uh, you know, uh, with my sponsorship unit, uh, we had a very sour relationship. I won't mention who. Uh, but uh, <laughs> then uh, you know. Through all these series of events, I had to change my degree and do something business related. Ah, uh, and I said, okay. okay, you know, business will keep it, keep options open. Uh, and so I decided on uh, finance and accounting. Uh, it was in my third year that I realized I really, really hated finance and accounting. So I said, <laughs> but you know one what? year to go, one, one year, year to go, go, I said, you know what, just let's get that paper, let's get it over with, and then do something else, whatever you want to do. But yeah, so uh, so that was uh, probably a quick background. Okay, so so before we go into the world of HR, if I remember correctly you're doing something else so let's talk a little bit about your journey before starting out in the world of HR what were you doing buddy uh, before I started out in HR mm. um, professionally I've always been in HR actually uh, oh okay you know initially um, immediately after I graduated and 
you know, me being me, the idiot, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, after graduating, you take a break, you know, you chill, you're going to explore the world, you do stuff before, uh, you know, starting work. Uh, but I didn't. I like maybe had like three weeks of a break. And then after that, I started working, now, which I really regret. Please, if you just graduated, take a holiday. Uh, yeah, and, you know, go and, do something. And I want to echo that as well, guys. Honestly, right? I also believe that, that right after you graduate, no, it doesn't matter if it's high school, if you finish your SPM or you finish your degree, right? Take a little bit of time off because once you start working, it doesn't go back, buddy. <laughs> you, all you have is 20 days off or something like that. So please, take a short break, right? Exactly, man. So I, so I didn't. I, uh, I immediately went into it and then I started with... Uh, my first job with was, was with uh, Saim Dhabi, also in HR. Okay, uh, okay, okay. And, uh, you know... Uh, why HR you know mm. a lot of people ask was like uh, I had spoken to you know in those days yeah career counsellors and you know just mm. uh, random people that I would spoken to they were like oh you know you have a very um, you know you, you're very people centric you have mm. your ability mm. to create connections with a lot of people you know have you ever considered uh, human resources and I never had mm. you know mm. I didn't know a lot of people who were in the field of HR at the mm. time especially mm. studying finance and accounting uh, but uh, so I decided to try that as my first job and 16 years later yeah still here alright so, so so what made you fall in love with it is it as part of the journey of you going through the many different parts of HR or was it love at first sight <laughs> good question bro I uh, I can't say it was love at first sight uh, you know necessarily <laughs> it was one of those things that uh, you know uh, you 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 go through you do it and then uh, you know you realize that hey actually not I'm I'm not too bad at it uh, it's something that interests me uh, but that took time to build up you know it uh, wasn't from the first day mm. I immediately thought that yes you know what oh, this is it's like finding a soulmate kind of thing it wasn't that kind of story for me uh, and being very transparent and honest uh, but yeah it, it you know I later realized that uh, look just because something wasn't immediately your click of a passion uh, but that doesn't mean that you're not mm, good at mm, it mm, uh, mm. and so yeah I decided to stick on it uh, you know it, it uh, really interested me in terms of how HR uh, oftentimes especially in Malaysia goes unnoticed but has mm, quite mm. a profound impact on uh, you know what happens in the organization uh, you know the way that employees behave think act uh, how you prepare them for the future etc mm, and mm, you know mm. you have a lot of uh, I would say uh, influence and uh, you know you have a you have a big stake in that mm. so it can go either ways either way it mm. can go very differently mm. at the mm. end of the day it's what kind of uh, you know what what kind of impact you want to leave behind and how do you want to shape uh, HR and impact on people mm. Uh, mm. in a humane way mm. Mm. keyword there being humane lah you know I think HR, HR has a rap you know I think even even when I started this conversation like um, I mean I do know a little bit what HR does uh, but a lot <laughs> of you don't know alright so <clears throat> yeah that, that's the thing it's a it's an unsung hero of an organisation right so what I get from this is it was a journey for you like the passion was something that was built mm -hmm. throughout the journey so let's talk a little bit about that journey so here you are in Syme Dhabi right what happened next so I started uh, in SIME, I was in the uh, HR information system uh, team and we were rolling out, you know, uh, new systems for the company, uh, for oh, okay. the entire group, um, you know, how to do uh, your performance management online, how mm. to, you know, leave application online, before that Excel paper, well, you know, uh, not something you want to you uh, keep doing. 
so you start out with basics, but you know, again, very profound. You you mm. you you make everything more efficient. Mm. Uh, and then I was thinking, and, and Simdub is a huge organization. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, this was of course before the split and before the demerger. Mm. And I figured that okay, look, you know, if I wanted to gain a broader understanding of what HR really is, mm. it's better to go into kind of a smaller organization where you you get involved in mm. more things. Mm. Yes, uh, and something like a smaller consultancy company. So I went then into uh, a HR consultancy called the Hewitt Associates at the time. Okay, uh, now Aon Hewitt uh, mm. and now Aon. Mm. Um, and uh, from then, you know, you start getting involved in work with different clients. You start looking at the different HR practices, mm. Mm. and you start seeing that okay, look, how can you Advise them based on this wealth of knowledge that the consultancy has, mm-hmm. and also at the same time enriching myself. Uh, you know, ah. by seeing how uh, thing different things work uh, in different companies. You know, there's no one size fits all. So you have to be pragmatic. You have to understand mm-hmm. the situation and then think about okay, look, what do you really want to implement? So, so that was you know, I, I would say uh, the the next step, and then. I was uh, very briefly in uh, oil and gas for a while oh. with uh, Sapporo Kanchana at the time, mm. at the time when they were merging. I uh, won't go into too many details, but I didn't stay there for very long. Uh, and then after that, I found uh, BAT. Which oh, was, that organization? Uh, yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think I met you there. La. <laughs> yeah, so tell us a little bit about BAT. So BAT was, uh, it's, uh, it was an amazing organization. Uh, I would say... You know, my career really only took off in BAT. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it was a place where I really felt that, you know, my, uh, you know, the culture fit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a lot of genuine friends, people on the same frequency as me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy, you know, so as you can see, even after BAT, we're still hanging out together. Um, and, and uh, you know, the kind of work that we did was very interesting, very fast paced, mm. but you know, very up to date uh, with, you know, what uh, the rest of the world was doing. And mm. the, the other thing that, you know, really got me interested even more about the field of HR was mm. how much priority BAT placed on the HR department, mm, mm, where, you know, you have a HR director sitting together with the rest of your board of directors or the rest of your leadership team. And that doesn't happen in every company. Oh, it doesn't. Right? Uh, you know, especially I would say... Mm medium to smaller size mm, companies mm, you know mm. this tend to be it, it tends to get seen more as an administrative department rather than a kind of strategic influential kind of uh, 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 area so uh, which, and which that's again when, goes back to the public perception of HR yeah. I, I, and and I think that's where me as the as a marketeer who was there for 15 years I think the organization did teach us a little bit about why is HR important? They, mm-hmm. they put it up there on a pedestal that, you know, these are the things that we're doing to drive not just things like culture, mm. not just things like systems, but, you know, for me, what I took out was, you know, talent development, talent mm. retention. So those are those were very important things for me. So, yeah, well, so what happened next? So here you are, you know, doing your thing in BAT, yeah. right? You know, moving up that corporate ladder, <laughs> right? And, and, and what I like is, uh, you know, I think this potentially could be that pivotal moment where it incited that interest mm. in HR in general for you, I assume. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Uh, you know, I was, uh, how shall I say? Uh, of course, I started out as the HRBP for the marketing arm where, again, I met uh, Mr. Amil. <laughs> uh, fun bunch of people, crazy as hell, but, uh, you know, that really uh, drove you, kept you, you know, on your feet, kept you thinking, uh, kept you, you know, uh, and, and always engaged in kind of like mm. healthy debates, healthy mm. discussions about, okay, look, what's right for, for the company. And I really enjoyed that, mm. uh, you know. Um, and, and I would say that's why, you know, both a combination in the, of the culture and how much importance we put on 
uh, HR practices mm. is really why I kind of accelerated my career in BAT. That really, you know, I wanted to give my best. I wanted mm. to, you know, change things. I wanted to make an impact. Mm. Uh, and so I always found myself getting put on, you know, projects that would impact the rest of the organization. Uh, you know, we implemented uh, or I implemented, you know, flexible benefits uh, for BAT at the time. Uh, you know, so of course, all of them enjoyed it. Now it's like uh, from the boring uh, optical, dental, you know, <laughs> benefits. And it's like, you know, you would see the typical trend in December. Everybody's like, hey, how much optical do I have left? Uh, uh, sunglasses. Can you write up for me as a prescription? And yeah, we know all this. Oh my God, our <laughs> secrets are out. Non-flexible benefit companies, our secrets are out. <laughs> so we were like, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I would say a typical HR department, uh, you know, that is administrative in nature, would find it a nuisance like oh why are these guys doing this like why are you finding ways around it and you know why are you just why can't you just follow the rules mm. but if you think a step ahead mm. at the end of the day it's like well you know what we created this benefit for the employees mm. if they're not utilizing it then it's not really a benefit so mm. why don't you evolve it uh, to make it something that everybody else can enjoy mm. and so mm. you know rather than making it strict like okay 500 ringgit for optical and glasses or, mm. or, or contact lens and nothing else mm. to hey 500 ringgit but you can spend it on wellness you can spend it on gym membership yeah, you can yeah, spend yeah. it on utility bills and mm. things that you know employees really need mm. and so that's how you can you know make an impact change things mm. at the end of the day the company is not spending any extra money it's the same pool of cash but uh, you know what it translates to the employees you know is, is profoundly different yeah as, a, as an employee you really see the difference you're like okay they are really making a concerted effort for us to spend that money. Mm. It's not like, oh, I'm going to roll over this money next year. No, you know, so it, it changed the way we thought as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I remember um, at that part of your HR career, you also moved to Vietnam or Cambodia, one of those countries. Cambodia. Uh, yeah. Cambodia, right? So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that journey. So, I, I would say probably fun story is, uh, you know, as I was moving up, the last role that I had in Malaysia was uh, was the head of HR for the operation side. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure you remember at that time, you know, unfortunately, we were in the midst of closing down the factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it was, uh, you know, it was, of course, uh, uh, you know, sad, painful journey, of course, for, you know, for, for employees that we had. But again, this is where, you know, you make the impact. You, mm. you Someone can do it by the book, can be very cold, can, you know, do it very, uh, uh, you know, uh, calculative and mathematically. Mm. Or you can be empathetic with the employees, making mm. sure that look, they feel they've got the best. Uh, mm. And, you know, you try your best for them as well. So, mm. so we did that. And then, um, you know, I, I, uh, I took a bit of a gamble because I knew that role was, I, I got promoted into that role knowing that mm. role was going to go away. Mm. Uh, mm. And I looked at my boss as like, so boss, what happens after this? Got She's pipeline like, nut. Uh, she was like, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. We, you know, we've got you, we've got you. I said, okay, fine. So, you know, I put my trust in uh, in the company and my, and my boss. And sure enough, at the end of that, they were like, okay, look, we're going to send you to uh, Cambodia. Mm. I said, okay, cool. I mean, uh, you know, didn't know anything about the country. Hadn't mm. been, uh, but, uh, you know, first head of HR of, you know, a country. And I said, mm. great opportunity. So, you know, mm. why don't we go? Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, I got there in, uh, and I remember the first day I met my my general manager, and he was like, uh, he was a, I, he's a, you know, he's an ex army guy, so very you know straight to the point, no warm hugs, no welcome. Uh, you know, I remember sitting in his office on the first day, like you know, we are doing opposite each other, and he's not even looking at me, he's looking down, and he's like. Okay, uh, welcome to Cambodia. <laughs> uh, there'll be no honeymoon period for you. There's a lot of work to do. I said, okay, sure, cool. And um, you know, we haven't uh, we haven't sold much in the last three months, uh, so we we are, we are backtracking a little bit. I said, 
Okay. Uh, and then he said, uh, you know, we've been trying to uh, close the factory here for the last five years, but uh, the joint venture has uh, never agreed to it. So I said, this is a great start. Is there, uh, you know, what else do I have to look forward to? <laughs> you know? you come in early, we are closing a factory. This is all you, buddy. <laughs> so fast forward a couple of years, he and I are still very good friends. Uh, you know, we, we actually bonded quite well. And I think this is, again, one of the great experiences of both BAT and, you know, kind of what really uh, made me enjoy the career. Got it, got he, again, you know, people say you had that ability to bond with people and he was a type of, like, his ex-direct reports would have, you know, used to come up to me after that and be like, how, how did you manage to, you know, bond with him? Like, how do you manage to be his friend? And I was like, wasn't that difficult, honestly. But anyway, that, that side story. So, Cambodia, I came and uh, my luck, being my luck, just being fresh out of a factory closure in Malaysia. <laughs> five months into the job, uh, and bear in mind, uh, five years, the joint venture said, no, we don't want to close the factory because it's an iconic landmark. Uh, it's something we want to keep. You came in five months? I came in five months later, the joint venture said, okay, now we'll close it. I said, okay, go through this again and, you know, negotiate with the unions and much harder now because mm, mm, unions mm. don't speak English. Mm, you have mm, to have an interpreter, you, you know, your culture you're not mm. that familiar with. Uh, and, uh, you know, this was one of the other things that really excites me also in the field of HR. And, mm. you know, it's, it's again, that human connection because I would go into, you know, negotiations with the union. And again, I would have one of my team members there to, to translate. And, you know, we think generally Asians are non-confrontational people. We don't always argue a lot. We're not very, you know, up for conflict mm, uh, type mm, of people. Mm. And I thought, look, it's generally the same across uh, Asia. But the Cambodians to get to a new level. They are <laughs> even more polite. They are even more non-confrontational. And so, you know, I learned this the first time when I came out of one of the sessions and uh, I said to my team, I was like, oh, you know, that, that session went really well. Everybody was really happy. They're like, no, boss, they're really upset with you. And, uh, you, and I was like, but where everybody's smiling uh, you know they were like okay they said we will we'll agree and you know we'll take the conversation to the next stage and, and I just couldn't figure it out right so she's like it's in the subtlety of the body language you know just the way that they uh, either they, they move an object or you know the way that they react uh, oh subtle body language signs and I was like oh, wow okay so you know start to pick these kind of things up sounds but, like dating uh, all over again like, I you know, know like, read, read the room read the body <laughs> language <laughs> that, imagine dating but with 13 other people in the room and doing it by a translator so yeah even you know even worse but, uh, but I really loved that experience and you know at the end of the day uh, you know, again, people, you know, my friends started calling me up. They're like, hey, everywhere you're going, factory closing. Huh? Don't come to my country. And I was like, well, I started to get this chop on my phone. Like, you know, the, the, the closure. Uh, the you know, closure it's king. Like that. Closure king is like that movie with George Clooney. What was it? Um, was it up in the air? I can't yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, but the one thing that really made me think that, you know what? Actually, I was the right guy for the job mm. was because at the end of the day, we did our best for the employees. We, mm. we tried to get them the best uh, packages that we could. Mm, mm, mm. We wanted to make sure that, you know, they were treated with uh, respect. utmost respect throughout mm. the entire journey. And the heartwarming part for me was when we were doing the farewell, I remember, you know, mm. fast forward like 10 months uh, and we were doing a farewell for them at, at, uh, at this, this hotel and the chief uh, officer of the union, mm. he came up to me, he took my hand and he kissed it. Oh. And he was... It, it, he, of course, he couldn't say much, but I understood that it was kind of a... A gesture. 
gesture of deep respect and also mm. a thank you and appreciation mm. for you know mm. what we've managed to do for the employees because you know it's it's not easy at, at times when you know I remember those days where uh, and again everything was hard copy paper mm. all you know the kind of severance papers that you go through and you know you sit in the office I didn't want to sign this in front of people so you know mm. I wait until everybody's gone home mm. you mm-hmm. sit in the office late at night you go through it you read the names you look up the details you see they've got families you know how many kids do they have mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. that 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 gets to you yeah. um, you know yeah. so again I, I, different people can take it different ways but for me it was okay look let's make sure that we do the best uh, mm-hmm. you know for for these guys and make sure that they feel that they're respected as well so mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so those were some of the key uh, you know key things uh, and, and uh, it's about Cambodia. and it's about doing the right thing Shaz, the end of the day right if it's something that is right for the employees it's about doing the right thing and exactly. I think I think that's that's how you should hate doing it yeah so here you are <clears throat> and then <clears throat> a few months later or a few years later actually you then left BAT and did a few other things actually even mm. before so I, I continue the funny story after Cambodia um, you know I was there maybe about 15 months and then I get a mm. call and they're like okay time for your next assignment uh, Hong Kong I was like Hong Kong great very mm. nice mm. Uh, and I was like check first is Hong Kong no factory I said okay take. so safe I'm, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm not closing a factory here <laughs> I didn't want to go through my that again my reputation has changed <laughs> and it was a different role it was a talent role so I said okay mm. talent typically you're not you know as a HRBP on the front lines mm. you know dealing mm. with employees so typically we'll need to lead something like this so I said okay great great role I accepted it mm. uh, and uh, then, then I got to Hong Kong and then uh, 48 hours uh, in you know got to my <laughs> boss's office Uh, and then she closes the door. And then she gives me this slip of paper she puts on the table and mm. she's like, sign this first. Mm. I say, what is this? And she's like, it's a non-disclosure oh, agreement. Oh. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> non-disclosure agreement typically is for, you know, a confidential project that's about to be, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that the company is about to embark on and you are, you know, you're meant to keep it confidential. So I was like, oh, this is not looking good. Uh, where, where exactly is this going? <laughs> so I said, okay, fine. I signed it. And then I said, okay, look, tell me what's up. Uh, she's like, okay, you're going to be the regional project manager for the largest restructuring the group has ever undertaken. I said, oh. I said, okay, it's following me everywhere. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, by this time, starting to get a bit, uh, you know, Uh, a bit sick of it but I was like okay fine you know take the challenge uh, it was a very intense uh, you know one year in Hong Kong mm, mm. Uh, but again you keep the same principles in mind you mm, know you, mm. you keep that uh, employee focus there at uh, you know at the core of what you do and uh, and yeah so got through it and then uh, like you said a couple of years later I decided to leave uh, decided to leave BAT I, re- I realized most of the roles so we, we go back <clears throat> we backtrack a little bit right so you had you had that stint in Saim Dhabi mm-hmm. where you were you know cutting cutting your chops then you went to that smaller organization Aeon where you saw a little bit more in the world of HR mm-hmm. because you saw how other MNCs approached uh, you uh, then BAT I think played that big part uh, mm-hmm. of your career in um, you know deep diving into the world of HR and I believe building that passion yeah? yeah so here you are you've got your chops right you you're seeing things in a bigger perspective and now it's time to leave that organization and going forward to something new so so how did that transition happen for you to head to L'Oreal so another interesting story <laughs> this is uh, good la. you know kind of like uh, the way I describe it to my friends when you know I was telling the story back then it's kind of like uh, what's the word for it uh, serendipity oh, yo. I'd be a little bit corny uh, so I had known uh, this uh, 
this this headhunter for many years, like ten years. Okay. You know, she'd become a friend, and uh, she'd always try to find me roles, but it it never worked out. And then one day she gives me a call, and she's like, "Hey, uh, I've got a HRD role for you, uh, great MNC, uh, you know." And I said, "Yeah, you know, I'm 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 definitely up for it." Uh, I was looking for a, a different industry as well, and mm. something to you know kind of take my next chapter into mm. uh, of of my career. Uh, and then I asked her. I was like, um, "So, after done all the interviews, uh, you know, got the offer, and then a few weeks later, I spoke to her, and I was like, so how did you get this job? Like, you know, mm. to to uh, then find me? Because uh, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, uh, uh, I I just wanted to know a little bit more about how she came about this, mm. Uh, mm. you know. And she said, ah, you know, one day I was, I was I was on a holiday in Langkawi, mm. and uh, my son was playing on the beach." Mm. Uh, there was another kid, and they both started playing together. And then you know the dad came up to me and and started talking and said, "Oh, look, what do you do, etc." And he said, uh, "Oh, I'm the uh, managing director of uh, L'Oreal." Oh. And uh, and he asked me, "What do I do?" And uh, she said, "Oh, I'm a I'm a headhunter." And I was like, "Ah, I've got a job for you, and you need to keep it absolutely confidential. Uh, you know, I don't want the big recruitment firms to be looking out for this because you know immediately word goes out. Oh. So uh, so yeah, if you know." What? Had to be on What a beach in Langkawi. <laughs> you know, the kids had to be playing together, and I was like, "Wow, okay, it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be lah." So everything lined up. Uh, you know, I I had a great conversation with the with the regional HR director at that time, uh, and we really connected about you know, especially we shared a lot of common values about mm, mm, you know passion mm, for people, mm, making mm, putting them mm. first, uh, and so so I felt you know what that whole vibe was fantastic, uh, and I said yes, okay, let me uh, let me take the you know uh, uh, take the plunge and uh, make the jump to L'Oreal, and and I, and I, and I echo that as well. I think one of the key things. To anyone out there who's looking at joining the workforce mm. or rejoining the workforce as a mid hire, it's having a conversation with someone in the organization. And for me, culture is key. Mm. You know, um, to the people who've heard my story, uh, you know, I spent 15 years in BAT, uh, where <laughs> culture was amazing. There, then I joined this Gamdri Golastro lah. Let's not talk <laughs> about the culture there. You know, a few great people there, a few. Not all of you, a few, right? <laughs> but but culture is very important to me, and I think that's something that you, as an individual, you need to determine that yourself. Mm. So here you are, had a good conversation, assuming that the culture was great, and then you joined in, and I understand some huge again lah. This transformation followed you. So tell me the story again lah. But you made a good point about the culture thing because you know the one thing I really worried was. Would I be able to find a culture as good as BAT? You know, where you had genuine friends, you had, uh, you know, is this, yeah. Hard to hard to explain, I mean, but like, you know, it so, felt like family. So I interviewed another BAT person before this. So to British American Tobacco Malaysia, uh, if you need to pay additional people for hiring, we're all here. You know? <laughs> Even though we're not an organisation, we can still help you. <laughs> yeah, great marketing, lah, this guy. So it's my job. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, bro. So I joined L'Oreal. Uh, timing was, I would say, horrible. I joined on the first day of MCO 3.0. Right, so of course I didn't know it was going to be MCO when I signed the papers, but okay, well, you know that's what it was, uh, and I didn't see the team or the company until like three and a half months later. So anyway, first day, you know, I called my GM because couldn't see him face to face. I was like, hey, boss, first day at work. He was like, ah, great, welcome on board. Uh, two members in your team have resigned, by the way. I was like, okay, thanks. It's a great start. Uh, you know, is this a common trend among all the GMs? And you know, they start with the worst news possible. Drama follows so, you wherever you go, lah, bro. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> so, uh, I said okay, fine. Uh, and you know, I joined exactly around the time that the company was doing our annual engagement survey. 
Uh, so, uh, so I was like, okay, uh, you know, good time to see, assess the situation. Yeah, you can gauge the, the company. company. Yep. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Uh, the results came out three weeks later. Mm. The HR department score was the lowest in the company. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I said, okay, I've got a job ahead of me, uh, you know, and a lot of stuff to, uh, to, to, to fix and work on. Uh, and then two months later, I, I get another call from the regional team and they're like, oh, you know what, we're setting up uh, uh, financial shared services in KL. Uh, mm. And uh, because it's going to be under the same legal entity, you're going to have to be involved and all that. I said, okay. I said, nice, warm, welcome present for you know for a new HRD. I said, okay, fantastic. Uh, and then two months after that, I get another call from the region, and uh, and they were like, okay, we've sent you another NDA via email. Please sign that and get back to us. And I was like, oh god, another one. I said, not again. <laughs> I said, okay. God, Which factory am I closing? Too much deja vu. <laughs> Fortunately, we didn't have a factory, so okay, that that was out of the way. Uh, but they were like, okay, you know what we want to do is we're going to make uh, Malaysia and Singapore now a cluster. Okay. So essentially, you know, combine the businesses. Uh, and uh, you know we've tried different models in the past but look now we're going to make it you know one management team one team covering mm-hmm. both countries mm-hmm. uh, and so essentially merge that 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 operations I said okay great uh, that's about December and when are we supposed to go live uh, July I said whoa <laughs> very ambitious timelines so I was like uh, and uh, and I mean I said, look, okay, we can do it. You know, it's not the first cluster in the group. Mm. Uh, and I said, uh, but, uh, you know, the previous cluster, how long did they have to set it up? Mm. Are they at 18 months? And I was like, <laughs> and we get eight? Uh, and he was like, yeah, that's all you're getting. I said, okay, sure, thanks. Uh, you know, <laughs> and at the end of the day, look, I understand why, because, you know, the previous cluster was in Europe. They have a lot, uh, you know, their the, uh, labor laws are a lot more protective. It's harder mm. to get through. And so in, in Asia, it's not as... Uh, you know, I would say it's not as bureaucratic. Okay, okay. So, uh, so okay, fine. I, I could understand mm. it's doable, but uh, I was like, oh god, here we go again. But you know, I would say the the plus side was we didn't really have to let uh, you know many people go uh, mm. because uh, we were fortunate at the time that the regional headquarters and travel retail was also setting up in Singapore. Mm. So really, at the end of the day, we we had maybe like. 15 to 17 people who were impacted uh, mm. you know mm. um, and the rest of them we managed to find them opportunities in uh, you know in these new entities that we were setting up in Singapore so mm. so it was a it was a good story I, I, you know not um, I would say not as uh, uh, e- emotional as you know the previous experiences uh, but yeah it was still not something I want to do again in such an accelerated timeline for mm. you know for, for coming into a new role but uh, again you know that's the that's the challenge that what's keep, that's what uh, you know keeps me going and uh, and at the end of the day you do it you do it the right way for the people i i remember seeing you for lunch during that period mm. and that was a tough period like, the, <laughs> the stress levels you know i could see the bags under the eyes it's like maybe three hours of sleep a day and then i saw him very recently you know a lot happier life is good so huge transformation has happened i'm assuming right so now i've got a few hr specific questions to understand um hr problems a little bit better but before we go into that right for everyone out there shazli okay imagine i'm someone who doesn't know anything what is hr what do they do Great question, bro. So I have to be, I have to level with you. Uh, Yesterday, <laughs> before knowing that I was coming for this interview, and I was like, "How do I put this in a way that people understand?" So I, I have to be honest. I went on ChatGPT, and I was like, "So what does human resources do? Let, Explain let, it to see, me in a funny way." Let me see what AI says, bro. What does what did AI say? Come. So in case you know, in case anything happens to me and people go through my my search history and they're like, 
why is the HID <laughs> searching what human resources do? Is this guy some kind of a fraud? So I, I'm just putting it out uh, there. To, to Shazli's boss, <laughs> eh, he did that transformation for you. He's just checking only. <laughs> so I I did that for you guys, uh, you know, to to see how we could break it down into something simpler. Okay. Uh, and, and something a bit more fun. Because at the end of the day, like you said, people really don't know what each other is. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, hiring, firing, I, how much is my leave balance? Uh, yeah. uh, day, I, uh, you know, what's my entitlement benefits? Uh, and, uh, okay, about okay, about that, know, about that. That's about it. So uh, you know, and and if I if I look at it, people see okay at the start and at the beginning, which is the hiring firing bit, mm. but they rarely see what happens in the middle, which mm. is you know the whole employee life cycle. Mm. Uh, now now ChatGPT tried its best lah, but I said okay, look, uh, you know, it's, it's how many percent how funny. many percent did it get right, bro? <laughs> Actually, ChatGPT was quite accurate. Okay, okay, okay. It's just that the you know I wanted it to portray the 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 journey in a more fun, interactive way, which okay lah, it, it still needs some work, but it, it did a good job. I you know the the key thing I would say like at the very beginning, of course, HR just thinks that okay, uh, I interview a candidate, I give you a salary offer, mm. uh, you accept, join, and you mm. know it's not it's never as simple as that. Mm, mm, you mm. have to convince the candidate that. First of all, you have to assess, make sure that look the role fits, you know, uh, the role that we're looking for. Just because someone is, uh, you know, let's say a key account manager in, uh, uh, for example, uh, you know, um, uh, Shopee, uh, you know, mm, mm. will not be the same as a key account manager in an FMCG industry. Of course, uh, of course. You know, but if to someone who doesn't understand that, and you if you just purely go by titles, you would think, yeah, you know what, I do a LinkedIn right? search, mm. I get all the key account managers, and these oh. are the people I'm going to interview and put it in front of the hiring managers and they're like, hey, they, this is not, you mm. know, not the kind of skills we're looking for at all. So you need to understand the business as well uh, and not just uh, business, but of course then, you know, you have to have your HR knowledge. You have to be able to convince them, mm. uh, explain to them, look, culture, what is going to be competitive. And you kind of have to be a, you know, a good negotiator to see, okay, look, what's the right level of salary I can mm. entice mm. them to come in. Uh, that's also going to work for the company. Uh, and then once they're in, Uh, you know, it's it's you, we go through the employee life cycle. How do we make sure that they uh, they, they feel welcome? They are they're on board. How quickly can you accelerate them to being ready to do the job that they're doing? Because you know, coming in fresh, every organization is different. I don't know what the systems are. Mm. I don't know what your processes are. You know, I don't know the whole ecosystem of stakeholders that I need to manage uh, and even and at the same time you're trying to figure out your job and life goes on you've got families you've got people at home uh, so how do we accelerate that uh, you know that process again that comes under HR mm. uh, and then how do we look at making sure that they have career aspirations mm. how do we make sure that employees feel recognized and rewarded for the work that they're doing How do we take care of things like you know mental health? How do we uh, put in policies that strike the right balance uh, that can make them feel rewarded? That can make them feel they have time to you know take a break, and at the same time we are continuously looking forward because you have to see what kind of skills that the business needs mm. uh, and how we are going to mm. either upskill internally or how do we figure out you know what kind of people to get outside in, in yeah. yeah you know it's a it's a build by borrow model i would say you know mm. you either build it internally by mm. training mm. you borrow from you know other companies in the group uh, or you buy and you get people externally because you know that it's going to take too long to build the skills or we just don't have it uh, and so uh, you know so all that is another uh, you know i would say a, a key part of the uh, employee life cycle mm. Mm. Uh, and then along the way other things you know 
managing performance, managing non-performance, mm, mm, mm. managing uh, structural changes, mm. uh, you know, making sure that you're always in tandem with the business so that you can advise them on what to do. Uh, and making sure that you continue to stay relevant and have a seat at the table, making sure that processes, systems are up to date so that you know the organization can be efficient enough. Mm. Uh, mm. And then finally comes you know that the the end of that life cycle, you know. Mm. But there's all of that that goes in between, uh, giving them visibility into career paths. How do you prepare them for next roles? Uh, how do you make sure that line managers are good enough to you know lead their own people because at the end of the day if you are a bad line manager mm-hmm. uh, employees don't stay for you no matter how good the salary is no matter mm-hmm. how fulfilling the job yep. is yep. Uh, it, it takes two to tango and uh, you know we're a very young organization we mm-hmm. are about 68% Gen Z millennials mm-hmm. so you have a lot of young managers first time managers mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. people who haven't really had that experience yet or been in long enough mm-hmm. to see look mm-hmm or being under different managers to see how they do it uh, and they are trying to then lead the next generation that's coming in so it's it's difficult uh, you know trying to find that balance trying to get them ready trying to prepare the employees trying to prepare the managers uh, and at, at the end of the day make sure that everything stays in a right enough balance that you, you don't break it at the end of the day and you, you don't break the machinery you know what it sounds like to me Sales and customer service, right? Like basically, basically your role is, you know, number one, we go under talent attraction, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to get, you're, you're attracting the brand, you're attracting yep. people in. So that's the sales portion of it. Then you've got the onboarding project, uh, portion of it, right? It's the training. It's just mm. like sales, right? You got to train people how to use the yep. product per se, right? And then you've got retention, right? Loyalty programs, so mm. on and so forth. That's customer service, mm. I would assume, right? And then, in between there you've got the culture bit you've got the staying relevant bit you've got the systems upgrade if needed right then you've also got the continuously looking for new talent either via sorry uh, upskilling yourself either via new talent yeah. or upskilling um, you know your current uh, employees which is development as well you know so that, that's how I see it. It, it, it it sounds very sales and customer service to me yeah. but in the business of talent people and culture yeah, yeah, spot on, man. I would say that's a very accurate description. You so, can be HR, lah, bro. Guys, so are you looking for a are you looking for HR role? Hey, because this has become interview already. <laughs> we will have a chat after this, lah. No, no, HR but, is always on the lookout for talent. Uh, you know, anytime, anywhere. Well done. So, 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 in a nutshell, that's what HR is to me. How how I pitch it is actually like sales and customer service. You know, you bring them across the entire cycle. The, I like that the employee life cycle, mm. right? How do you, uh, you know, bring that journey across? Bring that employee across that journey. Yeah. So. A few interesting HR things that I just want to have a discussion about. Like, you know, I just picked the few topics that I think is interesting. You know, what are your thoughts when it comes to uh, building the employee brand? You know, how, how, how big an effort or what are the things that you are currently doing to help in terms of talent attraction mm. and talent retention? What are, the, what are the big ticket items that you look at? No, that's a good question, man. Uh, and you know, I'll be, again, people in my organization know that my style is to be very transparent and honest and mm. uh, before I joined L'Oreal even you know I'd be very honest that L'Oreal didn't have a very good reputation uh, and some people were like are you sure you want to join <coughs> you know, I've heard this I've heard that and I was like well look at the end of the day every organization has you know uh, the stigma uh, mm. stigmas mm. is one but you know there's always uh, you know bad news travels faster and stays longer than good news right because it's more sensationalized uh, they should print that on a t-shirt that's good I know <laughs> and that tends to stick so I, I give you an example like uh, you know even in BAT up until the time that I left you know people uh, uh, candidates were still asking us that 
oh, I, I heard it's uh, compulsory to smoke in order to join BAT and I heard you guys still smoke in meeting rooms and we've discontinued this 15, 20 years ago. But, you know, that perception sticks because people, you know, they find it's more sensational. It's, uh, you know, it's more fun to talk about. Nobody wants to talk exactly. about, hey, you know what? Wow, we, we gave these guys some recognition awards and like, ah, okay, you know what? It, it matters I, to him, I not, it. not necessarily to me. So I, I felt the same thing for L'Oreal, but, uh, mm. you know, I said, look, that's where you go in and you have the opportunity to make an impact. Uh, and so, you know, coming in, I was like, hey, actually, look, it's a great organization, right? Uh, you know, the, the leadership team were very, uh, how shall I say, uh, you know, we bonded very well together. We worked really well together. Uh, we all had great relationships. Uh, and, you know, we, we then, it, and that allowed us to see, okay, look, what are the other areas within the organization we wanted mm. to tackle? But... Mm. You know, one of the first key things was to tackle this perception and, you know, that directly impacts your attraction of candidates in the market, right? And this is another, you know, another key thing. So we started putting together a plan. We were like, okay, what are the universities that we currently engage with for, you know, young talent, for management trainees? And we're like, okay, we only focus really a lot on the private universities. Mm. Uh, let's expand that to the public universities. We wanted to get as much diversity as we could into the organization. Uh, and, you know, and the other thing was, uh, needless to say, as a beauty cosmetics company, we are also about 69% female. Uh, we wanted to attract more men. And, uh, you know, when we speak to any of the male candidates, they're like, but I don't really know anything about makeup, lipstick, I don't use it. And it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, you are selling a product, you are marketing a product, uh, you are you're dealing with supply chain, uh, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, look, the fundamentals are there. Uh, and so you don't have to feel this imposter syndrome, like, oh, I don't use it, I don't know anything about it, and so I can't work here, right? It's, it's a complete myth. So we said, okay, look, we needed to put more ambassadors, uh, you know, more mm. male ambassadors in mm. the front to mm. tell people that, look, you know what? It's a great, fulfilling career. It's a fun place to work uh, and let them tell their own story. Mm. Uh, mm. So we did that. You know, we, we started participating in career fairs. I, I found out that, you know, we hadn't been to uh, like a graduate career fair. In yeah, you guys were in graduate this year. We were in graduate yeah, this year, yeah. yeah, both in UK as well as the Malaysian career fair. Uh, you know, we started participating in employee awards. Mm. Uh, and, you know, a big shout out to my uh, corporate affairs and engagement director as well. She created a lot of platforms for us to engage with public, uh, you know, the, the, the public audience. Uh, and so we did something recently called the Open House where, mm. uh, you know, we had kind of a um, gallery of all the things that L'Oreal does, all the initiatives that we have. Uh, and we invited, uh, we had Ministry of Education there, mm. uh, you know, we had uh, uh, our vendors, external partners, because at the end of the day, all that they see and the only interaction they've had is with the person that they're working with. Mm. Not mm. necessarily what, you know, L'Oreal is about or what we do. And this was a chance to show them from every angle, what do we do in terms of sustainability, uh, how are we being responsible to our ecosystems, mm, mm. Uh, what are we doing in uh, you know, uh, beauty technology, mm. how are we pushing the fronts on digital, how are we integrating data and analytics into what we do, mm. what are we doing on uh, you know, young talent programs, mm. how are we mm. uh, you know, increasing our outreach to communities. Uh, so all of that, uh, you know, we had Talent Corp, Uh, we had Graduan, uh, we had Nakta, we had a few, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, young talent and student body organizations. Uh, and they were like, wow, 
you know, we didn't know you guys were doing all of this. You should participate in some of these awards that we have or these are areas that we can partner in because frankly, what you guys are doing, a lot of it is already top notch, mm -hmm. you know, but the thing is, if we didn't speak to them, we wouldn't, wouldn't have known. known. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have known and we wouldn't have mm -hmm. known, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's always, uh, I would say the pitfall is you're very focused on what you do in the organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you don't send it outwards. And right? you don't see it outwards. Mm. You don't know mm. whether, look, how do we, how are we against the rest of, you know, mm. uh, all the other companies out there. Uh, we, some of the things we know we are good at, for example, again, you know, policies to try and uh, get, let's say, uh, gender balance. So mm. we know our paternity leave is the best in the country at six weeks. Uh, I, I tell you, no other <laughs> company offers that much. Uh, and, so uh, would you expect uh, more childbirths for uh, L'Oreal <laughs> stuff moving forward? If they do, I mean, it's up to them. We encourage it. It's the, you know, you should have a good balance between work and starting a family as well. Six so, weeks. Yeah. Uh, and maternity leave is four months. I mean, that's, I would say, you know, pretty decent compared to other companies. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so all of this, they were like, hey, wow. You guys are doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, so Amazing why did you participate in this? So talent attraction, branding, of course, it's it's you know it's a big topic for us. Uh, and how do we continue to make sure that we shape that narrative? We tell people what we're doing. And I give you another good example. Like uh, we are now starting to build. We just created a new role called Chief Data Analytics Officer. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know basically to look at how do we make uh, you know how do we organize this chaos of the data of you know wherever it is make mm. sure that we can put insights and analytics into place yep. make sure that you know decisions are, are data driven mm. uh, and you know we're looking out for roles like data scientists uh, data analysts mm. Mm. but you know to uh, to an outsider you would think hey beauty company you want marketeers you want product managers you know you want people uh, education uh, you know technical specialists who, who you know know how to do with hair color makeup etc you wouldn't think that. yeah you wouldn't think that oh this is a place that I would go if I, I wanted to do a, a career in data or data mm -hmm. science mm -hmm. so we have to put that message out there otherwise people are not going to know mm -hmm. that you know what this this exists yeah, it, basically it's like any consumer good organization out there yeah. It's just that the good that you're selling just happens to be beauty products. Yeah. You know? So so yeah, exactly. You've got the full gamut. You know, you've got everything like we mentioned. You've got supply chain, finance, data analytics, marketing, sales, the full gamut. It's just the category that you're in. Now yeah. we come in this modern age, lah, you know. Well, people like to talk about this term flexible working, <laughs> work from home and thing. I mean, to be fair, I'm sales true and true. To the people who work under me last time, you know so lah. Sales and working from home is a little bit challenging, <laughs> lah, right? So, oh, sales quite right impossible, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sales guys will find it very difficult, you know. But I've seen a lot of roles flourish when you work from home, mm. yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on you know flexible working hours and yeah, working from home? I think there's a lot of uh, debate right now about it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially if you look at America, it's like, oh, come back. Uh, Elon Musk is like, mm, mm. if you're not at your desk, we will assume you've, you've looked for another job. Mm, mm. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, these uh, surveys uh, coming out from, uh, you know, big research houses. Uh, PwC, you know, released a, mm. a survey finding as well. And, you know, the uh, uh, employee is very likely, I can't remember the exact number, but, mm. you know, one of the top reasons for them willing to look for another job or what they would consider in a new employee, uh, a new employer is that they provide flexible working. 
right? Mm. And that means working from home. Mm. So at the end of the day, look, the demand is there. Uh, you know, employees see it, and <coughs> at the end of the day, I would I would say, you know, from a from an organization perspective as well. Uh, there is definitely value in uh, flexible working or you know working mm. from home mm. uh, in a structured manner right mm. and mm. within kind of the boundaries and the framework that you know the organization has because you you especially in a country like us you know if you look at the time taken to commute mm. you look mm. at yes. you know uh, you you need to put kids to school you want to beat the jam uh, you know we spend and uh, another study showed that you know malaysia was one of the worst i think top 5 in terms of number of hours spent in commute yes and if you take that into lost productivity because mm. people are just spending time on the road mm. you're frustrated mm. nobody wants to be in an hour and a half two hour jam mm. uh, and you know you you could translate that into better productivity mm. right mm. give employees that flexibility to decide uh, of course within reasonable means mm. uh, when they can work from home and when they come to the office mm. so mm. I I'm a very big supporter of it mm. uh, you know I think it should stay uh and uh, and yeah uh, you know i i think um at the end of the day we should continue to encourage it it's great for uh, you know especially for people dealing with uh, you know if you've got a long day full of meetings uh, you know you you don't have that much time to travel uh it saves you a lot of time mm-hmm. great for mental health mm-hmm. uh you know g- great for people to be better connected with their families as well so i'm a i'm a big supporter of uh, work from home okay now in in closing la buddy right We look back at your HR journey. Mm-hmm. Now, to anyone who's starting their career in HR or is currently in the world of HR, I mean, what advice would you give them in terms of you know, um, you know, moving up within the HR corporate ladder or embracing HR as a whole? What advice would you give them? Yeah, so you know, for people who think that ah, yeah, HR administrative, you know, boring and all that. No, I mean, you know, I would say you just haven't joined an organization where you have been able to see. You know, kind of the the influence and the kind of change that HR is able to mm. implement in the organization, and yeah, you know, very simple things. Uh, you know, I, as a as a closing example, because you know, people often think that, well, how much can you really influence through policy or mm. through practices? And you know, I was discussing with one of my colleagues because uh, we have. Uh, uh, you know, when we were looking at our data of you know leave utilization, and we're like, hey, it's you know not everybody's utilizing their leave, seventy, seventy-five percent, you know, and we want to encourage people to take leave because mm. look, at the end of the day, don't don't burn out. Mm. You, you know, mm. your 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 well-being, your mental health is equally important to us, and you need to make sure that you're taking breaks. Now, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of organizations have this practice where if you don't finish your leave, you can carry forward some of it to to the next year. <laughs> Right, which is is quite common, uh, but uh, you know what one of my colleagues was saying that they do is that uh, we do something similar, but we've tweaked the mechanics. Okay. So instead of, let's say you start out with twenty days of leave a year, uh, you're allowed to carry forward five. So most people will okay. I use fifteen, mm. balance five. I carry forward. Mm. Uh, now what they do is that only if you fully utilize all twenty days, then we give you an additional five next year. Which you know is a great way to encourage you know people to start prioritizing themselves yes. to say that look okay there is a reward mechanism I take care of myself I take time out 
And you know what? There's a reward for it at the end of the day. And that's where, you know, the policy kind of influences and changes. This is awesome, dude. This is so. awesome. You reward people to rest, recharge, re-energize. And, and, and that, that's amazing. I've never heard of this before. Wow. Yeah. You know? I, I was hearing it, you know, for the first time and I was like, oh, you did. Why didn't you think of that? Like, yeah, it's such man. a simple concept. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I was like, uh, you know, after talking, to, I immediately I got in line with my uh, rewards manager and I was like, okay, we've got to find a way to do this. So, so yeah, spoiler alert. I mean, uh, to you know, people in the organization watching it, we haven't implemented it yet. Calm down. I, calm down. I, you know, I literally just spoke to him about it yesterday. So it's going to take some time, but it's it's on my mind. Yeah. All right. To all HR professionals out there, you can copy this with pride. I think Shazi is okay with it. Huh? You do. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know patented right, so yeah, go ahead. All right. So hey, Shaz, thanks, man. Today, today, today has been good. I, I mean, I know you, right? But to hear your journey and for you to reiterate a little bit what is it that HR does and you know your thoughts on a few of the burning topics that I had it was an interesting conversation dude I can see the love of people is there for you thanks you know? man and um, I mean if the world of HR after this lah I think you can do sales lah <laughs> it's the same bro same you know everything is it same thing is about galvanizing people impacting influencing it's sales bro so if you ever ever want to sell something uh, we can do it <laughs> likewise for the sales people you can join HR also you know he's, both ways. he's, he's pitching <laughs> alright so let's talk about a few fun stuff lah, sure. right so other than being a HR professional I mean what do you do for fun man how, how do you how do you unwind rest recharge and relax so um, yes I, I, good question I mean I do a few things and uh, of course for those of you here you, you didn't get the chance to see it but uh, we are sitting in this beautiful studio that Amil has which is you know actually his jam studio and uh, so I play the drums he's, uh, he's not bad he's not bad <laughs> <laughs> so we had a little bit of a jam session before this uh, you know I, I, I play uh, you know a few percussion instruments mm, uh, mm. I've been playing the tabla for, uh, for 16 years are, yeah donkey is uh, you know and then uh, I like a lot of outdoor stuff you know uh, jogging uh, hiking uh, I did my first full marathon in 2019 uh, painful I don't ask me my time because it's horrible you know I, I it's I okay just you did completed bro, 42, I completed, 42 clicks yeah, right 42 I can't even drive 42 kilometers look at this fella then I like hiking I've done uh, Mount Kinabalu twice uh, mm. I did the Everest Base Camp in 2019 as well yeah, so all this pre-COVID takes and then you know fortunately I, I decided to go ahead and do it because you know for three years you know you couldn't do anything uh, but I'm also quite a I would say adrenaline junkie bro you know I love traveling but um, mm-hmm. you know and and uh, you know my wife of course uh, this scares the shit out of her because uh, you know we she's not as uh, much as adrenaline junkie as me and I'm always looking for the craziest things to do so you know we were in New Zealand at the ah. beginning of the year and I was like Skydiving, yeah, okay, let's do it. Side me uh, up. Bungee jumping, yeah, sure. And you know, and I loved it. And people were like, but you know, how was it? Like, you know, were you not terrified? I was like, yeah, a little bit, but you know, that's the part that excites me. And would you do it again? Yeah, definitely, I would. So you're, uh, you're still I, married after this? Yeah, yeah, bro, still. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't come with me, lah. You know, I clarified that. Of course, I said, I'm going. But, uh, but yeah, so I love all this kind of stuff, love outdoor stuff, uh, you know, love sports. Uh, what do you play, man? Yeah. Uh, I play football, not very good at it, but you know, I, I, I like it. Uh, badminton, um, you know, once in a while, casually play some tennis. Uh, so yeah, okay. jack of all trades, not necessarily master of any. <laughs> <laughs> to anyone who thinks tennis is easy, it's not, okay? <laughs> if you think you play badminton, you can play tennis, cannot. Trust me, it's damn hard. <laughs> okay, so let's say, right, I was to take your handphone right now, you know, I'll check your Spotify or Apple Music. Like what are the top three bands or songs that's currently in your playlist? Oh, 
quite uh, interestingly, the one that's been on, uh, I wouldn't say embarrassingly, lah. I mean, I do like the song, but you know, the one that's been on loop for a while has actually been uh, Troy Sivan's Rush. Uh, okay. Um, you know, the first time I heard it, I was like, Wow, super catchy. Uh, you know, I've been, I've just been playing it on loop, and my mm. wife is like, "How many more times are you gonna listen to the song?" It's like, few more times, few more times. I'm not done with it yet. Uh, but I'm also a big indie fan. You know, uh, other other bands like, uh, you know, let's say um, Rex Orange County, mm. uh, Father John Misty was my wedding walk-in song. Yep. Uh, you know, so uh, so yeah, I'm I am a little bit less mainstream. Not that I I cannot lie on. Uh, you won't find any 1975 on my playlist, uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, but some strokes uh, because you know I was really looking forward to that. But yeah, I heard, uh, I heard they are doing a second concert in uh, Singapore. Second yeah, day, yeah, man. So, second so, day. I, so so do make it for the concert. I mean, it's the strokes, dude. Right? Yeah. So I I ask this to all my guests, lah. Right? What are the top three things for you to eat, right? Mm. That you can find out there, and where can we get them? Wow. Um, so I love Indian food. Let me put it out there. Uh, you know, we have this. I have this running joke with my wife because uh, she she likes Indian food, but not your level, Not la. as not my level, la, You know, so she's like at every time she asks me. So, uh, so saying, what do you want to have for dinner? Yeah, let's have dinner. I like Indian food. She's like, oh, why did I even bother asking you? So yeah, so Indian food definitely. Um, so where, bro? Oh, let's see, a good banana leaf rice. Um, you know, ganapati mess. I knew it. Uh, I knew. I just. There for a while, I just. Yeah. I just had ganapati mess earlier <laughs> this week, right? Crab rasam to die for. Uh, Northern Indian food also. Uh, you know, uh, let's say places like Namaste. I heard Kureshi in Kiel mm. um, is really good. Although I haven't tried. Haven't been. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So you know, Northern Indian food I really love. Mm. Mm. Uh, a good Sarawak laksa in Sipak. Not not far from our old. Okay, office. okay, 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 okay. Uh, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, top three. Um, maybe a good duck rice, lah, bro. You know, um, unfortunately not in Malaysia, but you know, not easy the to find. London-based water duck rice. Oh. It's far, it's far. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I I remember when we were in London, we actually had that duck. <laughs> I I remember that clearly. <laughs> good stuff. Huh? Worth going back for. Yeah, man. So, hey, so Shaz, again, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Again, we we not only heard a little bit about your HR journey, but your thoughts on few of the topics as well. Lah. So, in closing, right. Uh, if there's anyone out there who wants to learn a little bit more about maybe the organize your organization, you know, um, or maybe connect with you if they want to ask a little bit more, like you know, deep dive on your thoughts on some of the uh, HR issues out there, how can they connect with you or yeah, the organization? You can, sure, I mean, uh, you can reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you mm. know, just search Shazli Ghani, uh, you'll be able to find it. Mm. Uh, or uh, you know. Uh, anyone in the organization, I would say, you know, if if you if you do a quick search, L'Oreal Malaysia, mm. look, you'll find a you know uh, you'll find a a bunch of people. Look for connections at the end of the day. That's the best thing to do. Uh, or if you just look for L'Oreal Malaysia HR, you know, ask anybody in my team. Uh, mm. We'll be happy to tell you more about the organization. All right, so there you have it, guys. Uh, thanks again for being here. And guys, here's another episode of Find the Real. And looking forward to catch you in the next episode. Peace. Thanks for having me on, bro.